Hello, sir. How's it going today? It's good. I like I like how we start the episode. Like, I haven't been talking to you for 20 minutes before we started this. <laughs> <laughs> I know, yeah. We, uh, one of these days, I feel like we need to do a, like, subscription-only episode where people get the, mm. the 20-minute pre-roll of conversation. Yeah, yeah that's where all the, the juicy stuff happens. That's... Yeah. You will will separate the boys from the men during that right. time. <laughs> people people will be like, these guys don't actually like each other. They're just on a podcast together. Um, I don't mean to already talk about me, um, which is mostly what I do on this podcast. But um, I was just going to tell you that I'm I'm super glad that we could do this episode here. I'm in Nebraska right now, and I love my setup at. Um, my folks' mm. place because it's all it's super clean and I spent yeah. all of 2020 like making it really good. <laughs> right. So anytime Dude, I come down here, there's something about a good desk setup. I yeah. I I landed on this my current desk configuration about this time last year when I when I think about it, which is kind of funny. Um, but it seems kind of like every once every like year I start to like rethink how I could set up my desk. And I'm mm. I've been in the rabbit hole recently of um, how I could further or either further optimize what I already have or just like start over like things that I would change if I could do it all over again. So yep. I've been like shopping around for new desks and new a new monitor and stuff. And mm. the problem with me is I can't do any of that stuff on the cheap. Like if I'm going to mm. do it, I I I commit to investing in the, like the long haul. Like yeah. I expect to use a new monitor for four or five years, a desk mm-hmm. four or five years, or something like that. So um, I I don't look at IKEA for things like that anymore. Um, right. But it's just it's uh, it's such an investment. But I I feel like it ends up being worthwhile. I'd like to think that the people that listen to our podcast appreciate that thing because I think. There were a few episodes in the first season where we talked about how much we felt it was important to buy quality stuff that lasts. Yeah. From like shirts to jeans to boots to yeah. monitors. And um, so hopefully everyone that's here agrees with you on that. And right. there, there is something about having a space set up that feels for, for such a cluttered, chaotic mind such as mine. To have a desk that is the exact opposite of that does everything for me, you know? right? And I, um, I hope that <laughs> the people that listen to us are like kind of in that same realm of like they feel like they're a little bit crazy, like we we feel like we're a little bit crazy, right? But but everything else in your life feels a little more structured because it yeah. helps you kind of push through the day to day stuff, right? Yeah. My th- my theory with that is like. Because my my mind is hyperactive, right? If I have a lot of things to distract me, I will get distracted. And yep. one of the things that distracts me is like clutter on my desk, which is yeah. ironic because I'm not all that tidy in other areas. <laughs> like um, I kind of just go through these spurts of not caring about like where my clothes fall or like, mm-hmm. you know, I, just just the other week I had clothes in the dryer. I had clothes in a clean clothes in a laundry basket in my bedroom. And then I also had like a pile of clothes in, in the yeah. closet. And like, I don't know, I don't live alone. So it's, it's not that it just affects me. It also affects someone else. Um, mm-hmm. 
But when I'm my workspace, I take particular care of usually like I get dishes stack up by the end of the week. But I usually on the weekends, I'll try to like reorganize or like clean everything off. And once I do it, I'm like, man, I I really needed that. It's like a (laughs) breath of fresh air to you guys. So do you and your girlfriend, do you guys share the load of like like laundry? Do you just do your own laundry? Yeah, I'm a grown ass man, dude. I just yeah. do my own <laughs> what can you just walk us through that process? Is it detergent and fabric softener, <laughs> or are you just detergent? Um, usually I just dump it all in the bathtub and I <laughs> I pour shampoo you on t- it. You take a stick and <laughs> yeah. <you> stir. <laughs> right. No, I mean we've never we never really talked about it. We just kind of she and I are both so independent. Right. Like as people, mm-hmm. um, there have been times where she's like done my laundry for me, but not not at all because I expected her to. And I yeah, just because it was there in the right. basket or something. And like I that. would I would maybe do hers for her if I trusted myself to. But you know, like girls <laughs> girls clothes, it's like some stuff can be dried, some stuff can't. And like really, yeah. <laughs> that's how that's how men should approach their laundry too. But we don't. Like yes, the only yes. thing I do is I don't dry things on full blast. I just dry them on right. on low, but I don't separate anything out. But mm-hmm. so I, you know, I don't, I don't know the ins and outs of female laundry to be nice enough to I, do hers for. I her. spend more time asking Chelsea what I should do with her laundry than than it would take for her to just do it herself. Mm-hmm. You know, and I've been experiencing this weird thing, and I don't know if it's because. I've been trying to run, I've been trying to run a little further. So you got me this watch, my Garmin watch, and I've loved it. I've had it for like almost a year now. And it's cool because anytime I go on a run, I feel like a spy or something. Like it just (laughs) makes me feel empowered to do the run. Uh Like it's keeping track with the Garmin app and stuff of what I am doing. And I like that because I like to go back through at the end of the week and be like, oh, hell yeah. Mm-hmm. I bust I remember I busted out that that five mile or whatever. But I've been trying to increase my distance because I felt I've always been just like a a 5k guy. Like mm-hmm. I run three miles or so and I change the effort on it. Like sometimes I'll run harder, sometimes I take it easy, but it hasn't felt like it has changed anything for me. And again, we joke about this all the time, like running on its own is useless. Why? Why? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. But so I started saying like, okay, if I'm going to do this, if I'm like going to run every day, I cannot just stay here at this one place of like three miles. Mm -hmm. There's this perfect loop here in Nebraska that I love to do. And I love it because when I fly to Oregon for work or anything, the elevation is so much lower and I run three miles and it's cake. Really? Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm killing it. So I've been trying to increase my mileage and do, I've been trying to do almost five miles every day and it's Mm -hmm. been, it's been good. Um, it's, it's been hard, (laughs) but, but it's much better for me. And, and I don't even remember what we were talking about. Yeah, I was going to say, what's this have to do with laundry? Didn't we? Oh, yeah. So the laundry thing, because I've taken these clothes that are 
especially stinky. Mm. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> especially after five miles of super stinky and put them in with my stuff. And this shirt I'm wearing right now, which is a, is a completely clean, good shirt, has this must to it. And yeah. I just cannot, <laughs> I cannot let it go. But that, that looks like <laughs> just like a normal cotton shirt, right? Yeah, this is like a normal, like this is like a, I would wear this to a show or maybe like out. I mean, this isn't like a... You didn't run in that. I did not. But you, but you think it it absorbed the smell of your running what I'm at, and What I'm asking is what I did wrong. Yeah. Did, mm-hmm. Is it because I washed it with the stuff? Could be. Do it you separate that? that? I mean, as a guy no. who like prioritizes fitness in his life, do you separate the... I don't. No, but I, I mean... That I surprises could, me. My, my clothes <laughs> could could smell and i just don't know but um i i i will separate stuff out when it's new and i'm like in this period of like nervous about shrinking things or ruining things but i usually get to like six weeks or um like three months of ownership and i throw all that out the window Mm -hmm. because it's too much work for me but is it um, is it the heat of the wash or the heat of the dryer that uh, shrinks I think it's the heat of the dryer. Okay. I've had it explained to me a couple different ways. Um, <laughs> you, welcome, you have welcome a to, few women in your life. W- that welcome might to two me. idiots talk about laundry for an hour. Um, no, because one time, one time I like looked this up because I have always had shirts shrink on me, and I was just really trying to figure out what not to do to avoid shrinking. And one thing that I read was it's not necessarily necessarily the temperature on its own that causes it to shrink, but the temperature mm-hmm. combined with like the impacts of the dryer. Mm. There's some, RPMs. Yeah. Something. So our, so we love fresh, clean teas. These mm-hmm. guys are like the best. And these shirts I don't I don't even need to say this. The fact that we're talking about laundry was not a build up to this. But they're the best t-shirts ever. I love I like wearing them to shows and I like wearing them when I'm driving on the road cuz they're comfortable. Mm-hmm. Like super comfy. They're snug around all the important spots, you know, but like when it comes down to your waist and stuff, they're a little bit looser and like mm-hmm. comfortable so you don't feel like a a fat ass walking through the airport, you know what I mean? Right. Just to be perfectly <laughs> a stuffed candid. sausage is, is so, what I've been using. A stuffed <laughs> sausage. Yeah, I should have said that instead. But uh, so I have white ones. I have a gray one, which I love. That might be my favorite T-shirt that I wear. And then I have the black ones, and the black ones seem a little more snug to me. And I don't. Mm-hmm. And it, they have not been washed differently. I I've noticed that too. I think. Okay. Good. Yeah, I've definitely <laughs> noticed that not all of their colors fit exactly the same, which mm-hmm. is not unique to them. I've noticed yeah. that of like any, any that happens brand. with pants all the time too. Yes. Like usually, yes. usually when I get jeans, I will buy like the exact same style cut brand, but like the black ones will be way tighter than just yes. like a, a more a blue one. I don't oh know my why. God, I feel so seen right yeah. now. That's that's what I go through too. I yeah. and we've been. You know, being on the road and stuff, we definitely, I mean, we're washing in all kinds of different washing machines. So, like some yeah. of these house shows, to be completely transparent, we'll do some laundry at someone's house, right? Because mm-hmm. we have like two more weeks and they're like, oh, you guys can, 
use the shower, use the laundry, whatever. You sleep out in the van in the driveway if you want to. Like, yeah. You know, and it's cool, but every washing machine is me, like, cycling through, like, right. like is this what I want to do? And and I've been, I've been trying to... I've been trying to master. I I feel like it's a thing, especially as a guy, that you, someone has always tried to teach me, but I have not cared about. Yeah. Workout clothes, normal clothes. I throw everything in one thing, like baby clothes. I'll throw rip. Like it's time for laundry. I'll just throw river stuff in with like my workout shorts. Mm-hmm. Like that's probably a terrible idea. Like he <laughs> should probably just have his. Own thing. He probably should have his own laundry detergent too. You know, you never, <laughs> yeah. you never know with baby well, skin. Well, um, yeah, that's actually what it is. But sometimes I'll just use the regular old stuff that I use. Yeah. But, um, you know what? This is just a little bit of a segue into how we the last the last couple weeks, Nick and I were on the road for um about three weeks. And we, um, you know, we ran out of detergent and stuff like that. We started doing laundry at people's places. And there's this, there's this weird feeling I get when I get done with a run like that where it is no longer just one guy or two guys. I don't count because Nick and I don't take care of each other all that well. Like one guy just doing his thing and then I get... I get back home to family and it's a completely different a different dynamic. And this week actually um what the plan was officially for I flew in to Denver to come home to Nebraska for a little bit and I was going to leave. Actually, I would have been driving to the airport a few hours ago um tonight mm. and then and then uh, flew out of Denver in the morning to go do some shows like Pittsburgh, uh, Pennsylvania, and somewhere Connecticut. <laughs> somewhere so, else up there. <laughs> yeah. So I, I, one of the things I've really been thinking about is how, how terribly I take care of myself, first off. And mm. then when it comes to... When it comes to trying to figure out what's going to happen for the rest of this year and like with some shows not happening and stuff. I mean, can I say, can I talk a little bit about those shows that were supposed to happen this weekend? Yeah, dude. Say whatever you want. So um, we were supposed to be doing these shows over there and um, I don't even know where that is. Connecticut, Pennsylvania. It's like East Coast, right? Would you say East Coast? Are you stuck in a loop? You said that already. <laughs> yeah, that's East Coast, right? I mean, east of here, yeah. It's the east, east, east of me, and east of you. I would just say it's the east. <laughs> the east, probably not East Coast. Yeah, the Great East. Um. So, because of um some COVID precautions and stuff, we had contact from one of the venues that said, um. Hey, you guys had like a hundred and fifty tickets sold to this show, and um, we're looking at now like possibly maybe fifty tickets. 
because of like refunds and stuff that people have asked for. And, um, you know, it, it's been, I think we've kind of had our fingers crossed for this whole year. And up until now, we have just been blindly doing the thing, you know, mm-hmm. like everyone, I'm not even talking about just shows, kind of just acting like everything is normal. Yeah, sure. And, and then, um, these shows that changed, they they are rescheduled, you know, so it's it, kind of the same thing we went through last year. Like everything was just rescheduled for another date. Um, mm-hmm. I'm feeling, I'm feeling super lost, not even mm-hmm. just on my laundry, but like the fact that I'm going to be, you know what? I'm at mom's place and I bet she could just hammer out some good laundry advice for the next yeah. few weeks <laughs> that I, that I won't have to worry about like stowing my stuff in a bag in the van and like washing it at some people's place. But you know, that thing where like you go to someone's house and the shower is always different. Like no <laughs> yeah. one, no one has the same shower. It's like, sometimes it's a turn. Sometimes it's a pole in a twist and it, that's how I feel. Bro, what are you talking about right now? I'm trying to tell <laughs> what are you, you. trying to say? <laughs> I'm trying to tell you I'm lost. I'm, okay. I'm nervous about what's going to happen this year. I was tracking with you until the shower thing. I didn't know I'm where you were going. About, I'm not worried about the laundry or the shower. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I'm with you now. Yeah, man. I think, uh, I think you're not alone in having been operating like things were back to normal, um, even if they weren't back to normal all the way I think uh, we as people wanted to just revert back to you know our our routines pre pre pandemic pre quarantine all of that because we we uh, we rely so heavily on on being able to predict what's going to happen the next day right and mm-hmm. um, unfortunately <clears throat> the season that we're in right now and the story of the last year and a half or so is that we've not really been able to pr- predict how things are going to go. And we've had to kind of um, piece things together on our own and, and trust, <clears throat> you know, guidance that's come from seemingly out of thin air and, and all of this. And it's, it's been really confusing. So there's no, there's no playbook really for what, for what's going on here. I, I definitely um, appreciate and can relate to the, the anxiety of not knowing what's next. And I'm not trying to say, you know, that, what we're going through with our business and as a band and stuff is different than what other people have been going through. I'm not trying to minimalize any part of this. I'm just trying to say that um, the frustration of not knowing what's going to happen next, like you mentioned, before all of this, before 2020, we, we were able to have these routines and even just like the weekend, like hanging out and just, you could plan on that, you know, mm-hmm. having a good time and letting loose. And I feel like there has been, um, there's been some frustration and confusion on what exactly we're supposed to do during this time. And especially as right. a musician, it's hard because you are sort of, I don't feel qualified at all to be telling people what they should do on October 10th for our show, right? I'm not. I am just 
trying to navigate it as best as anyone else's. And that falls on me a little bit because of, you know, the the mandates and stuff that have been set in place. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. They're calling on, like, businesses and things like that to make the call, right? Right. And so there's, like, businesses that have been going for 100 years and have local loyal customers that lose customers because of the decisions they're making during this time. And I don't want yeah. to be that, you know? Right. There's a, there is a big pressure there to not be that for people going forward. You mean to not be one of the things that disappears or? Both maybe. Like, I don't want to just dissolve Right. And and I don't want people to feel like um we're making decisions for them, but I've seen right a lot of bands that are a lot bigger than us cancel tours for the rest of this year. Like they played all year up until now. Mm-hmm. Um and then and then cancel them and I'm I'm like trying to be responsible. Like I'm no I'm not a health <laughs> I'm not a health right. expert. And it falls on me. Yeah, the thing about <clears throat> the thing about being a musician, I think the hard part is the people that are going to the show. Like, what am I trying to say? It's hard. It's hard not to seem like you're taking a stand one way or another, right? Like, if you if you post on your Instagram, like what happened a couple of days ago, like, hey, these shows are canceled the people that were going to go to those shows don't necessarily get the whole story. Like Mm -hmm. to them, a lot of the times it's digested as, well, the Talbot brothers canceled these shows because of COVID. Right. Right. When in like that may be true, but in, when in reality, like when these bands drop out of an entire tour, my guess is that it's because a, a good enough number of the venues that they had booked canceled to where it no longer made sense financially to do the rest of the tour. Yeah. Like if you, if you think about like a a mega band that has not only the band, but an entire crew backstage of um, like techs and roadies and and all of this, like um, that's an expensive endeavor. And like, there's a certain point where these things where a tour breaks even. And if, you know, so many of these venues drop out to where they know they're not going to break even, like the label's going to cancel the tour because it's cheaper for them to, to stomach or to absorb the, the money lost on the front end than to yes. keep going and not even break even. Right. Yeah. So that's something like the, the music business of it all is something that people are not super privy to and would have no reason to be privy to, but it's frustrating to kind of have seen glimpses of the behind the scenes and um, try to explain that to people because it's, it is such an emotional, emotionally charged topic and people so badly like, and completely understandably want to get to a point where they can just go watch a show and feel okay. And like, like I went to one last week and honestly it was like the most refreshing thing that I've done in a long time to just Mm -hmm. like, have that experience. Yeah. Um, so people often let that emotion kind of stand in front of like, well, 
if a tour gets canceled, it's not necessarily because the band was feeling like they were playing like moral police. Like <laughs> usually it's because someone else, either someone else made the decision for them or um, enough things happened to where it no longer made sense to go through with like play three shows here and then drive all the way across the country and play another three shows here. And like mm-hmm. this like checkerboard of a, of a tour, like a well structured tour all the shows are kind of in a line Mm -hmm. or like, you know, connect to each other. But if you have like a gap of them in the middle, because some States are not allowing people above a certain amount of people to, to congregate that's out of their hands really. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's tough. I, I, I'm glad that I'm not in your position (laughs) to where I'm like, you know, because you you also don't want to be in a position where you're saying like, well, the ve- it was the venue's fault or the yeah. venue canceled it because that's a bad look for you guys too. And mm. you know you 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 have to have a sense of professionalism and grace on their end too because I I'm sure that they venues don't want to be canceling shows. Yes. You know, it's I mean, their livelihood too. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, the, those venues are making money or they have staff that are depending on the income that they'll make from a show. And even before all this, we went through this a little bit with some shows because, um, like, if the venue decided that they were having a hard month or something, especially early on when we were playing shows, they'd, they would say they needed to cancel it. Well, we would more times than not say, well, you were the venue that we were kind of, like, pivoting everything around. So... If you say you're not going to do this show and and pay us or provide us what we need to make it happen, then that affects all the other shows around. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of what happened for this weekend. Um, we had a show that was kind of pr- providing more, and then there was another show right beside it that wasn't not as much, but like it made sense. We were over there to do that show. Right. And, um, you know, I feel bad for them. I feel bad that they're trying to navigate that. And like, I'm sure they wanted to do the show. Right. But, but they Mm -hmm. want the place to feel full. It's, it's, it's every business or restaurant you walk up to that says we were not open tonight or something like that, because this has just been, this has been, super hard on everyone in so many ways, those little businesses too. Yeah. And the other side of that too, um, like you had mentioned, they want the room to feel full. Like I'm, I'm thinking of things, I'm trying to rationalize things in as like dollars and cents and numbers Mm -hmm. as I can, because that's, that's the way that I try to interpret things that are emotionally charged because Mm -hmm. it's easier for me to digest them. But like there's a point where a restaurant or, you know, a venue has to, has to make the same decision as the label canceling a tour. Like if, cause they, the, the venue pays the bands a certain amount of money. Say, say the number, I'm just going to throw out a number for the sake of the conversation, but mm-hmm. say they're going to pay a band two grand to come play. Mm-hmm. If they know that only 50 people are going to be there and they're only going to make a thousand dollars on the night, they're going to be in the, in the hole a thousand dollars or probably more than that because they have to pay their staff and all this stuff too. So like, yeah, it's not always just like, I would imagine as an artist playing shows, it's hard not to take some of that personally. 
But at the end of the day, you have to understand that it's not like they're saying, well, no one wants to come see the Talbot brothers. Right. So we have to cancel this show. Yeah. It's like, well, we also have to make sure that it's worth like we're not going to be bankrupting ourselves at the expense of bringing in this band that people want to see. You yeah. know what I mean? You know, th- like there's all the little businesses that have been going through what they're going through is the same thing. Like it's all about the employees, right? And me mm-hmm. me trying to discern or separate the fact that I'm the band coming in from nowhere to play at this venue into a community and a business, a venue that that has employees and people they're trying to take care of. Like I have to separate myself from that and allow, because I think as a band, you've been convinced that you're the best part of what's happening that night. Right. Mm -hmm. Like we're the reason everyone's there. So we're the Kings of it. Like we should Mm -hmm. be taken care of even when it falls apart, but trying to understand that there's all these and, you know, even just with other businesses and restaurants and companies, like the unemployment providing people an ability to not have to go to work, and, you know, they're shorthanded. Like, I don't know how many places right. I went to over the last half a year at least where everything there was a note on the door or something that said people just didn't have the staff. And that's... Yeah. They're just like me. They're just a small business just trying to to make ends meet and take care of their people. And I mm-hmm. and I do truly feel I'm very thankful that it feels like now, right now, we're at a place like if we don't get to do any more shows the rest of the year, we'll be okay. But mm-hmm. I, I don't even really think I'm thinking about the Talbot brothers in these instances, I'm thinking about like, man, we were supposed to go play a venue where a hundred and people, 150 people were supposed to come. And if, if that's, if half of those people buy a beer and it's $5 a beer, like, yeah, you know, it's all, it's all really messy. Yeah. It's definitely a complicated, a complicated issue. And unfortunately I feel like a lot of people try to just look at it at one side and I can't even really fault them for that. You know, like it, it's so hard to zoom out and try to look at every angle of things. Mm -hmm. And I'm kind of fortunate in that that's really what my career has trained me to do. Like I'm an engineer, but really what I do for a living is like risk mitigation and risk management in designs and in business decisions and all this. So I kind of have to, the way that my brain works, try to tackle everything from every possible angle. So it's, it, it can be, it can be really hard for me. One challenge that I've had recently, like just personally is with empathy and trying to meet people at their viewpoint, because to me, I see all these other facets of this problem. So it's hard for me to like listen or hear hear people talk about their frustrations and not try to just be like, well, have you thought about it this way? Have you Mm -hmm. thought about like all these other people that are suffering too? And you know, that's, that's not necessarily the response that anyone needs, but yeah, it's, it's a very complicated issue is what I'm trying to say. I suppose. What has the, you know, just walk us through like as of last year. And I know on this podcast, we've tried really hard not to talk about it because 
we don't want to be another place where we're talking about the pandemic and stuff. And and I take mm-hmm. the same mindset with shows. Like I don't, I'm not going to talk about it because I want people to escape from it for a minute. But there right. is 41 episodes of this show now. So if you want to skip this one, according to how we've experienced the pandemic and stuff like that, like I just we feel understand. like it, it's important. <laughs> for the people that listen to us to understand how it has affected us you know i mean what what was your day-to-day compared to to how it has been i mean up until now basically right just yeah i mean pre pre og lockdown (laughs) 1.0 my my day-to-day was was very um corporate drone-esque you know like wake Mm -hmm. up at Seven, make breakfast, take a shower, all that, drive to work, um, clock in. We didn't, we don't clock in, but just like figuratively, you know, show up to the office, work an eight hour day, um, drive home and, you know, get my stuff ready for the next day. And, you know, it was very, a lot of, uh, a lot of routine. Um, and I still have routine now, but it, it was a lot of not being at my physical home and I had, you know, I was working in the office and, uh, the whole nine. And then, you know, my weekends, a lot of the time revolved around, uh, especially like this time of year, fall and and spring specifically, a lot of my weekends revolved around like going out of town to play shows or, um, going out of town to see family and friends. Like I didn't spend a whole lot of time in Kansas city on the weekends, Mm -hmm. um, that I really remember. So flash forward to now, I mean, I work from home like so many other people do right now, but I've noticed, especially in the last few months, and I don't know if this is a function of just fatigue or, um, or, or what, but like my, my daily routine has kind of laxed quite a bit. Um, like I've changed the time that I go to the gym. I'm Mm -hmm. like, you know, I've been working sort of more sporadically, but for more hours of the day. So like yeah. I'll, I'll take more breaks, but I'll work later in the night, which isn't super healthy. Um, <laughs> I, I'm just kind of, I don't know. I'm, I think subconsciously I've been trying to find a way to like spice it up a little bit to make things a little bit different. Um, mm. and like I, I can go into the office and work and I have a couple times in the last few months, just, um, depending on what I need to work on, but I do still enjoy working from home Um, but I'm kind of, I'm kind of getting tired of just like the COVID it it being because of COVID that Mm. I'm working from home, not being necessarily like a choice because that's what works best for me. If that makes sense. It's such a, I feel so, there's a certain part of me that feels super silly, like talking about me feeling frustrated Mm. with COVID because I have such a fortunate position in life compared Mm -hmm. to a lot of people. Like Mm -hmm. I, like you guys and my girlfriend are the people in my direct sphere that could very easily be super affected by this. Um, Just being like working in the service industry Mm -hmm. or in the entertainment industry. But I have this cush job, you know, where I can work from home. Um, My company will not go under just directly because of COVID, you know, like we can still operate as a business, um, from home for the most part. And, uh, so I, 
I don't have the same sort of fears and anxieties as a lot of people do. So I, mm. this is one reason why I tend not to talk about this topic because I personally feel like I'm not yeah. qualified to have any feelings about it because I, <laughs> like, I got paid all through the pandemic, right? I had a stable job and all this, but at a certain point, like, I, I do personally need to address my own mental health about it. And I think sometimes, like, suppression is just as dangerous as like admitting that I am pissed off about something. Wow. Yeah. That damn that suppression line. We should make that a quote on Instagram for sure. <laughs> but I wondered that like you know, you don't seem like a person to me, even as one of your best friends, that has been really struggling with the isolation of what yeah. what the pandemic has brought and um i wonder if you could talk about like if if that has been a thing for you or if or maybe you i mean i know you're a super independent guy so mm -hmm. maybe it's not yeah um it it definitely has at times but i hate i hate even saying this but i am technically an introvert right so i don't mm -hmm. generally I don't generally get my recharge or my energy from being around other people. Mm -hmm. I don't, I don't tend to consider that like as a necessary function of life mm -hmm. of my life, like this constant social life thing, you know? Um, I get that through like, I'm, I've been able to go like to the bar and like hang out with my favorite bartender, you know, which is such a kind of a weird thing, but I kind of get, get that fixed through that. Um, mm -hmm. Like I, I've been able to see people like when I need it. Um, but the times that it's really affected me was like the times that I really get recharged is when I am able to go hang out with like you guys or, yes. um, you know, my, my best friends from high school that I haven't seen in a long time or like these people that are really, really close to me that don't live near me. Mm -hmm. And for a long time I haven't been able to hang out with them because of the situation, you know? Yeah. Um, cause travel has been hard and, and, in all of it. But, um, I, I had coffee with a, a local friend of mine the other day and, um, he's the opposite where he definitely needs the, um, consistent social interaction. Like that's where he gets his energy and, and all this. And it's hard for me to empathize with those people too, because at a certain point, like I just like don't relate to that, you know? Yeah. So, it is. It has kind of been, in a lot of ways, I've been lucky and fortunate work-wise and, like, socially from mm -hmm. the whole thing because I kind of have this position in life where those things don't really affect me all that much, but I can't say I'm perfectly immune to it, you know, because, yeah. like, last, last year, this time, I was really nervous about holidays, being able to go see family. Like, that's a, that's a mm -hmm. very important thing to me, and our holidays did not feel the same because we we still got together but wore masks inside yeah. and didn't hug each other and all this and um yeah. i'm at i'm at least excited now that like my family has chosen to take the vaccine um mm -hmm. and we are able to all you know feel comfortable around each other and right um i'm looking forward to those things but you know it's still always in the back of your head you know yeah, i don't right. i haven't completely shaken shaken everything yet yeah, I, um, you know, being here in Nebraska for the 
it wasn't even planned because of the pandemic that that my wife and I would be here um and being in Nebraska it honestly just felt pretty much non-existent you know mm-hmm. and so it didn't change a lot of what we did day to day but um she would tell you this too but I just am not the kind of person in my hometown. I like I don't go to the grocery store unless I'm the last person that has the free time to go, you know. Yeah, right. And it's right. not even about I mean, I I love everyone here, but it's about like um I don't want people to ask me about my job for 20 yeah. minutes while I'm trying to buy <clears throat> cheddar ruffles, you know? Like I just right. want to be I want to feel normal. And the mm-hmm. the whole thing kind of was kind of based around that war between feeling like I was from nowhere and then feeling like, well, I needed to be from a place where people didn't even really think it was real. You know, I'm mm, not, I'm not, yeah. I'm not even, I'm not talking about it in a bad way. Like just in a small town, Nebraska, I mean there was a very minimal impact right because of because of the pandemic and yeah and um, just to put into perspective like small town meaning population of like 1500 2000 yeah. people yeah, and exactly. the next closest real city being like an hour and a half away like yeah, you exactly. very isolated it's not just like <laughs> a rural suburb like and that's still like a a small city like that's not Denver, like Denver was three hours, you know? So, yep. um, you know, it, it was, it was hard then. And I, and, you know, I've talked about on the pod before that I felt there was a part of me that felt super connected to society because of the pandemic and the fact that I went and worked at the, um, farm equipment dealership here in town. Like it just, I don't know. Like people around here were still ha- having weddings and mm. receptions and stuff and like it it didn't feel that we are sort of a product of our surroundings. Like if So you're saying are, like like their life wasn't different, but you felt plugged in because your life was night and day different. Yeah, and and no one really talked about it, right? Like like I'd talk to guys at work and, and no one really said like, "Man, this has got to be so weird and different for you because you were all over the United States every mm-hmm. year for mm-hmm. 10 years. And like, it didn't feel different. And there was a part of me that really, I accepted that in a way like, Oh, well maybe this is cool for me right now to like, not talk about, like I get to just roll over to the grocery store and like, yeah, you get the dumb questions about like, the music. How's the music going is what the question right. everyone asks, right? And then I get to go to the liquor store and I appreciate the liquor store a lot because they never asked me about anything <laughs> other than the whiskey I was drinking, which uh-huh. I appreciated. But I, you know, that when this year started and the new um, administration came about and just I feel like through all of early 2021, um, we've had like this optimism 
mm-hmm. and and which I don't think is bad to have that optimism. I think um, it can be really good. And we and so we were kind of writing that, and yeah. just with our girl that books our shows and everything, we were just planning on this year being back to normal. Right? right, like this whole thing can't last more than a year, right? Like it's been In torture heads, yeah. <laughs> for everyone, right? Like it's got to just end. Yeah, um, yeah. The hard part is like back back to the point I was making about not being able to predict. Like, I think a lot of people have taken the stance of like, um, I'm I'm really trying not to like open a pandora's box here sure i think a lot of people have taken the stance of somehow someone knew that it was going to go we were going to revert back right and they just never told us so it was all false optimism wow you're such a conspiracy theorist but i i don't think it was false optimism you know i I, i'm i'm not the kind of person to just get optimistic about things or get excited about things Hmm. Um, if I think there's a chance that it's not going to work out, right? That's just the way that I'm wired. So, and I had that same feeling of optimism that like this time this year, we were going to be through the thick of it, like let alone even thinking about if things are going to look, how things are going to look in spring and stuff, you know? Um, but things just change, you know, and that's, that's the nature of, like a, a virus that we don't fully understand. Like we're, I empathize a lot with like the scientific community of this whole thing of like trying to understand things as best we can with the information that we have. And it, I am so glad I am not in that position to be like relaying guidance or information to people because um, it's kind of a thankless job and people, people are so emotional and everyone has a a very valid right to be emotional. Like I do not want to downplay at all people's emotional response or anxieties or fears or even like lack of trust um, in people like where the information is coming from and stuff. But at the end of the day, like I I feel like I have personally found peace in just trying to accept that I'm not going to have the answers and like things Mm. might change, you know, and that's a hard thing for me. Who's like, I have planned out my entire, every move of my entire life since I was like 13 years old, you know, to then now be in this position where I can't even plan a trip six months from now or, or whatever, you know, it's, I've had to rewire the way that mind brain works in a lot of ways in terms of like expectations, um, in terms of being a planner, like I'm a, I am a planner and a logistics person through and through. Mm-hmm. And I've had to like surrender a lot of that side of me just because yeah. you never really know what's going to happen. Yeah. It, yeah. I think that kind of rocked us all in that same way of like, um, ru- ruining our day to day a little bit. And, you know, even what you touched on, but like, like how you can trust, the administration and stuff like that, like, um, you really only can do what you feel like is right day to day and, and what you think, like, you got to have a moral compass on it. Like if, if is it good for me to, to play a show somewhere and act like COVID isn't a thing for 200 people, right? 
Like, right. Probably not. And so... But I do wonder, like, I wonder if that's even oversimplifying it, though. Like, that's a very black and white way to look at it. If you look at it that way, then, yeah, you probably shouldn't play any shows. But, <laughs> I, like, I think there is... I think there is a way to play a show for 200 people and not pretend like it doesn't exist and do it safely and in a way that, you know, is responsible. Right? But how do like, I control that? You, that's the thing is you can't. I really don't think you can. And you have to, I mean, you could make sure that the shows that you're playing are doing the best that they can to, to do it that way. But, um, you know, I think... One way, one way to accomplish it is just like the attitude towards it. And I think you guys have done a good job on social media of like being, um, having a reverence for the situation and saying like, you guys have said a few times that you like want to make sure everyone is safe and you're doing things right and things. But there are also artists out there that are saying, this is all bullshit. Like, just let us play the show. Like that, that's a completely different narrative that you're, that yeah. <clears throat> those people are sowing in the minds of their fans, whereas you guys are taking a more neutral approach to it, which I think is good. But you know, I, it's hard because I you you don't really have all that control. But what what I was trying to say is, I just think that there's to help you sleep better at night. I think there's a less black and white way of thinking about it. Like, well, if I yeah. go to this show, am I writing two hundred death certificates tonight? Like, right. Well, you might not be because the venue is doing a really good job at making sure that they're doing everything they can to make yeah. sure it's a safe environment, you know. I um you know, I I didn't really think I would share this in any public way ever, but just according to our conversation and stuff we've had, you know, and I I've told people time and time again on this podcast that I was in Nebraska for the last two years where it didn't really matter, but um, my uncle, who was like one of the toughest guys I know, and as far as tough goes, I think tough can kind of come with like an, an ignorance to what is actually happening around. Mm -hmm. And, um, and I don't mean that he was ignorant or anything like that. I just mean that this whole thing has been really hard for him. And, and, you know, he, he, like I said, one of the strongest guys I've known and cares about other people immensely, mm -hmm. a huge family guy. Um, just, he, he lost his life to this and, and, you know, you can go back and say, well, it wasn't because of, anything he had experienced previously, like this was just a whole new thing and it brought him down. But like that was the first time, um, even with everything that I have done with Talbot brothers and trying to take care of people and be safe that I really thought, um, the word real isn't even the right word. Just, it, this thing can kill people and yeah. and when when i realized that about him like one of the toughest son of a guns i know um i really we had a bunch of shows booked and planned and i just started to think maybe 
maybe we should just be careful and just and mm-hmm. and and plan for like that one person out of two hundred who will not fare well. And um then even this year, I think for like the whole first beginning of the year, we kind of acted like it was going to be peachy keen and like we were just going to yeah. play shows. But um, I'm 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 still thinking about that, and I um I have my questions. Like I think you and I, Jake, both of us, I think we run into like an authoritarian problem where we like don't like to just accept what someone is telling us is law. Right. But I'm not ignorant to the fact that like people I care about have been affected by this thing. And mm-hmm. I don't want to be a facilitator for someone's sickness. And I don't want someone to walk away from a Talbot Brothers show and say, "Well, sh- shit, I got sick <laughs> at the Talbot Brothers <laughs> if show." Weren't, if it weren't for those Talbot Brothers, for those, I would and, have. Yeah, and their damn dog too. Yeah, right. Right. I don't want that. And I. Yeah. I'm trying to be. I'm weighing my career, and and how I get paid every month against um, everyone's well-being. And mm. and for me, it has been. I'm siding with the well-being of everyone else. Like I will take. That's the reason I worked at John Deere last year, mm-hmm. all year, because I was weighing against what everyone else needed, the greater good, against what was good for me. And mm-hmm. I I've had. Especially this year, like with feeling like things are going back to normal and and then maybe feeling like we need to pull back a little bit. Like I'm just being um I'm I'm not taking any of it too seriously. Just if a venue feels nervous about it, then then we pull back. Yeah. Like I'm not trying to force us on anyone. And yeah. Well, I think that's, I think that's the right approach. Right. And, uh, I mean, I don't know what else you can do. I, it's such a, it's such a fine line between, you know, you standing on your, on your platform and telling people you're not going to have any shows this year because it's what's best for them. No one wants to hear someone tell them what's best for them. Right. And you, you and I both, like you said, agree with that, but it's this hard thing where you feel at some level you do feel responsible for the safety of people that are going to be in a room because you're there. Mm. Um, but then on the flip side of that coin, you know, people can make their own decision. Like everyone has the same information at this point, it seems like. So like they're making, they're making that decision. You know, I, I have a really hard time with where I stand personally on, on those sorts of arguments where it's not a clear, like the science doesn't really, explain that for me it's not that clear cut because Mm -hmm. i do have you know ideological stances on people being able to make their own decisions and stuff but then i'm also i'm also technically a scientist you know and i i'm a science person by training and by nature and um i feel like i'm able to make my own decisions but i make my own decisions based on the data you know Mm -hmm. but everyone else 
should probably be able to make their own decisions. So like it's yeah. it's this confusing thing for me to be to be kind of in the middle of all these different different arguments. So I I'm probably just muddying the waters for you, but no. No, you're not. And and you know, just in the minutes we have left, I you know that the thing that changed for me was um before the pandemic, I just felt like there was a super high rise, a trajectory for our band that was going up and up and up. And mm-hmm. we had just released a new record that felt really good and we were super happy about it. And um, it brought us down. And I wanted to be, I wanted to be selfish about it. I wanted to feel like I should be able to, st- still play shows if people want us to do it. And right. Um just even with I just don't feel like I am at all qualified to tell people when or when not they can come out. So yep. when we're just trying to base everything on local um jurisdiction and in, in venues that we play like if people don't feel good about us have be playing the show there then we'll just we just won't and mm-hmm. and you know I'd like to I'd like to talk about this at, an, at at another time but you know Nick and I put all of our eggs in one basket of like playing shows and like that was our career just being a live band but right there's there's so much more to that yeah you gotta have a something to fall back on you know yeah and maybe to bring to bring some light to an otherwise pretty somber episode maybe that's the light of the Mm. whole situation is i i can personally say that you um, Nick too, but especially you have profoundly changed in the last year in terms of yeah. the way that you view your business. And I'm sure a function of that, some of that is also a function of having a kid, um, you know, in the last year, but y- you guys both used to be, you know, road dogs. Um, mm-hmm. and within the last year or so I've, I've heard you both start to talk about like, how can we structure our business in a more sustainable way? And I think if if not for, you know, you probably still would have because you had a kid, but if not for the pandemic, like all of that, those thoughts would not have come to the front of your mind because you always kind of had this cash cow right in front of you that you mm-hmm. had planned on, you know, it's hard to, it's hard to zoom out when you have like a, a guaranteed thing right in front of you, you know? And so, you, you know that like Nick and I have always said, um, having a plan B is bullshit because mm-hmm. you should you should put everything into your plan A and you don't but man that that just ain't real. Like yeah. you you need to have I don't think there's anyone that I care about and know that doesn't have like maybe a plan B. Just right. just something to fall back on and like especially during all this that's happened like yeah, and I think you can I think you can have something to fall back on that still is part of your plan A, right? Like 
I, I know you know what I mean by this, but just to clarify for everyone, I'm not saying like you should have a backup job in case the music thing doesn't work out, right? Yes. What I'm saying mm -hmm. is like every business has some level of diversity. Like there's a lot of ways to make money as a musician and there's a lot of ways to make money as a band, even like as an artist, you know, and those are kind of the secrets of the industry that a lot of people don't think about um, because it's so much easier just to be like, well, we're just going to go play shows, right? Um, but now you've kind of been forced to think about these things and and kind of crack yeah. the code a little bit. So I, I don't know. I, I find that personally exciting, but I know it's come at a, at a great cost. So I don't, yeah. I try not to uh, downplay any of that either. I just don't want to live a life where I feel like I'm not caring about other people, like at the expense right. of everything that I've enjoyed in my business and um, being a musician and stuff like I don't want I don't want to go 80 years of this and not have had these heavy moments where I realize it's like it's about the people that show up you know and like mm. and just during during the pandemic and everything it's um, it's weighed more heavy on me so the next yeah. episode we do, we we need to make it super light. We need to talk about <laughs> something Elon Musk has done. <laughs> Deal. Yep. The next one will be light. We promise. But thank yes. you guys for sticking with us through this one. Um, sometimes we sometimes we need this for us, and this yeah. one this one was that we one that we needed. So we appreciate you guys that are still sticking around for this one. Um, be sure to rate and subscribe if you haven't already. Hit us up on Instagram at Similar Vein Podcast. And until next time, we will see y'all. Thank y'all.